listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White. Joining me today is Carmen Perry for a very special episode. That may, that may leave our listeners with, um, uh, I guess, maybe a bit. Uh, we, we, that, that may set an expectation that's too high, Jeff. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I think it's up to us to, you know, try and fulfill and live into that. Um, Indeed. I was wondering if you're going to use that live into uh, oh God. line or not. Uh, uh, why can, why does his name, uh, I remember his sister's name, I think better than his, um, Rosa Beth, something, something, um, who's the guy from art of possibility that you were just quoting? Oh, uh, Ben Zander. There you go. Yep. Well, if we can even be like one, one thousandth as, uh, you know, intelligent and uh, helpful as Ben Zander, we've, we've done a good job. See, there you go. Setting the expectations too high. Again. <laughs> Is there a TED Talk coming from this next? <laughs> well, uh, and uh, folks, I, I guess one what really kind of makes this episode quite unique is that we're not going to be interviewing any guests. Um, um, also very unique because uh, we're kind of coming to you in the middle of this coronavirus uh, pandemic. And um, so we wanted to take a bit of a hiatus from recording uh, some episodes with guests. Um, only because, I mean, a key part of that, of course, is that we like for our guests to uh, promote those episodes too and uh, bring their colleagues along uh, for the ride as those uh, episodes go live. And um, they really uh, it's kind of maybe not quite the most appropriate time for that to be happening right now. So uh, we thought we could uh, continue with our podcast release uh, schedule and um, but just kind of cover more um uh, marketing topics and kind of give you our own points of view on it. So, uh, oddly enough, uh, for two very opinionated folks, I don't know how much we really give our opinions on this podcast very much. So we're going to take all of the ch- opportunity to do that now. <laughs> it's time to try something new. Yeah. Time to try something yeah. new. So, yeah. So I, I mean, I think, uh, today we're going to obviously delve into the, the news of the day and the, you know, what's actually happening now and talk about where, you know, the opportunities are for marketers and uh, and also sales people in, in the wake of this pandemic and the isolation that people are currently undergoing and all the people who are now working from home and, and trying to figure out how they're going to do the jobs that they've been doing um, in an entirely different manner. Yeah, folks. And just to be clear, we're not looking to be crass in any way with this or just to think that it's just an opportunity to go out and make a big bunch of money or something like that. That's not what we're talking about. We're really just saying, okay, this is a new reality that we are living in right now. And how might manufacturing marketers uh, and their sales organizations as well begin to uh, look at their role, uh, shift what perhaps what they're doing or what they're focused on? Um, and, uh, and, uh, in, in some way, uh, look, uh, to the future with more confidence. So I guess with that in mind, Jeff, let's just d- jump right into it. I mean, I, I think, um, the biggest, one of the, I've had to say that the thing that I've really been impressed by in the business leaders that I've encountered over the last while, as we're talking about COVID-19 is that there seems to be almost like two camps, if you will, there's. Um, one camp that's pretty doom and gloom and wants to shut everything down until this passes. And the other, and I think much more smarter camp out there is, uh, knows that this could be a very, this could be a long haul. We could be talking about 18 months, two years of very uh, different, uh, lifestyle, um, 
uh, and uh, not to say that the show must go on in exactly the same way, but you know, it's critical for our economy and uh, for the people uh, who obviously all of us who depend on its performance to begin to look uh, to how we can function in this new world. And I think the people that are kind of have that kind of positive approach um, and are um, staying a calm and future focused, I, I just feel that they're on the right side of this and, if I were going to choose one side to emulate, I guess that's where I'm going. I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I mean, you, you can go back to, uh, you know, thinking back to the the last big recession as well. And, uh, you know, at that time, I remember reading uh, an article that uh, had they'd interviewed Steve Jobs and he was talking about, you know, this isn't the time to cancel all marketing and cancel all R&D. It's actually the time to consider doubling down on, on those things so that when you come out of this, you come out stronger. And uh, I think it's a, you know, it's a point that's relevant to, uh, to any manufacturer really is, uh, you know, this is an opportunity to, um, to kind of take this time to reflect and figure out what you're good at and, and continue to, uh, to build towards what's coming next. Yeah, exactly right. Um, well, let's, um, I, I guess, uh, as we kind of look at some of the, uh, um, when I think of the conversations that I've been in over the last uh, week or so, and what are we seeing? Well, uh, for manufacturing marketers, they're uh, looking at a world, uh, I think one of the biggest changes in terms of, if we say just kind of tactically, if we, if you will, or um, uh, probably the, the biggest change for them in a lot of cases um, is that they no longer have, uh, for the next little while, trade shows are, are, are not a kind of a, tool, a club in the bag, if you will. So many manufacturing marketers um, would look at their budgets before this and say, uh, 70 to 80% of my marketing budget is for um, a trade show attendance. And, um, you know, we could be staring down the barrel of 18 months of no trade events at all. Um, so, if that's the core of your marketing program and uh, you base a lot of your relationship selling, et cetera, off of that as well, um, this is a very different reality. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to uh, you'll be meeting fewer people. You'll be following up less with the, uh, the prospects and customers that you already do have. And, uh, you know, we're just simply going to have to figure out how to get by without all coming together in one city in one location for for a little while and it's going to you know there, there's going to need to be redistribution of that budget within marketing departments to you know hopefully get the same or better roi on on, on their spend you know and, and i think about what you know there's marketing teams out there that have been working for a year or two years towards the the big release of the new product at this show mm -hmm. and now that isn't happening um, so, you know, I, I, I think if I were just to get really tactical for a minute, I'd say to those folks, okay, well, like, you know, don't give up the ship just yet. You've done a lot of preparation for that. You have a lot of the materials that you need in order to show the product in its best light. Um, in some way, perhaps your, uh, trade show booth and presence that you were imagining having at that show can now be repurposed as a bit of, to, to set a bit of a stage for, um, uh, a, a webcast of sorts or some other way of 
of, of presenting or launching that product. And of course, the reason you were selecting a trade show to do it uh, in the first place is because you knew all your target accounts were going to be there. Um, so, well, let's find other ways to surround those target accounts. You can't surround them at the trade show now. Um, let's look at account-based advertising approaches and uh, uh, email outreach and other approaches to, to get in front of those uh, um, uh, target accounts and uh, successfully launch that product and and uh, and get moving. I mean, I, I think that there's a, um, yes, it's uh, not the way people intended or would have liked to have done this, uh, but man, I, I still have to think that there's some solid opportunity in there. And, and, and it's coming at a time when, um, you know, people aren't going to want to just completely collectively press pause on their entire work life. You know, if, uh, I'm sure that the, a lot of people out there are thinking the show must go on in some way. And um, I just can't help but think, Jeff, that that would be really well received. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, it, the other, uh, you know, if we're getting a little bit tactical right now, the other thing that I'm thinking of is, uh, you know, we had a previous episode of this show with uh, National Nail, if you recall, and, uh, you know, huge um, product release schedule that revolved largely around trade shows as well. But one of the things that they did that I thought was really, uh, really smart was that they used their products and engaged with influencers long before the launch of the product at the trade show. And so they were shipping units out to people with good social followings and other things like that and getting them to demo and show and kind of compiling content from from their existing community and user base in order to have that available for a broader distribution. And it was one way that they could reach a much larger audience that wasn't um, incumbent on being on the show floor and also getting those uh, opinions and uh, other information from people who actually had a chance to use the product. So, I mean, that's that's one way that you can uh, look to launch a product in a more virtual in a more virtual world. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, I guess in, in some ways, at least somewhat connected to that, as you say, in a virtual world, I just... You know, you just kind of made me think of just what we're seeing right now from a point of view of e-commerce and mm. um, those people who have invested in e-commerce, even in our local communities. You know, we see the the local shops and uh, restaurants and whatnot that have invested in e-commerce. They see uh, a, um, a very unanticipated benefit of that investment right now in terms of their ability to quickly pivot, but. Um, and we know that manufacturers are, are seeing uh, that as well. Um, I, uh, I, I wonder, Jeff, if there's going to be, um, it would seem to me that this uh, could result in at least a bit of a surge in um, uh, people looking to more quickly advance their e-commerce presence, uh, understanding that uh, not only is the has the world changed and it's likely to you know be a bit different for the next little while, but it may cause some more permanent shifts in uh, buying behavior that, of course, push us more online as well. Oh, I I couldn't agree more. And I mean, we absolutely don't want it to sound self-serving as a agency that builds e-commerce sites, but I do think that there is certainly. Um, you know, an opportunity for manufacturers who were previously choosing not to go down the e-com path just because their budget was being spent primarily on trade shows and, and other events like that. You know, it may be time to begin to consider this. We know for 
from experience that uh, e-commerce platforms take a long time to build, especially for manufacturers with a large number of SKUs or configurability challenges and things like that. These are not simple sites to create. So, you know, the time perhaps to have built that e-com platform, as you were saying, was a, an, a while ago. But uh, the second best time is now. And, uh, you know, it may be a real opportunity for them to create new distribution channels um, using using the web and, and e-com as the primary medium and vehicle for that. I'm curious if we're going to see just even more online customer service. And maybe that could be a bit of the gateway to an e-com presence that takes a while to deliver. Mm, yeah. It's kind of thinking out loud, you know, but I mean, it would seem to me, um, uh, uh, that type of, uh, that type of customer service experience is going to be much more in demand. I would think so for sure. You know, certainly for connecting with manufacturers around, uh, fixes and, and other issues, you know, um, having online service, it'd be interesting to see kind of how, uh, you know, the SaaS world has informed so much of how the rest of us market and, and sell now. I, I wonder if um, the SaaS model of uh, of providing trouble tickets and, and service issues, you know, for software online will begin to become more of a thing for manufacturers and, and people who create physical goods. Uh, the good news is that's probably easier to stand up than an e-com site. <laughs> 100%, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're a marketer out there and you're saying, okay, we need to do something online right away to address the fact that... Um, uh, people can't communicate with us in the normal way that we're, we're used to, and we want to show that we're being responsive to this new dynamic. You could probably show that you're being responsive to customers in some more, you know, in terms of serving customers a little bit uh, faster than you could show being responsive to prospects, if you will, with an e-com environment. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. And I mean that that entire thing, you know, servicing your existing customers via digital means is certainly one way to kind of extend the idea of uh, maintaining good relationships with your customers. And I think that we also have to think about in, in this new world, how does that kind of relationship selling now translate all the way down to the salespeople at the front end uh, of a, a customer relationship? And, and I think there's a, you know, a great deal of opportunity for salespeople to begin to truly understand and truly begin to connect with their prospects and with their existing customers and, and manage that relationship, you know, in a, in a more digital way, you know, they're probably not flying out and, and visiting their factory nearly as, uh, as much for any time, you know, in the near future or, or medium term. So how are they going to manage that online and how do they, uh, you know, keep those relationships strong? It's interesting to consider what this does just in terms of, um, how it encourages in some ways experimentation. I mean, you know, uh, whether it encourages it from the point of view of freeing up potentially 70% of your marketing budget because you no longer have to spend it on trade shows. Um, so that you maybe now is the time when you can begin to experiment uh, on some, some other items. Um, or whether it's salespeople being in some ways uh, encouraged slash forced to uh, experiment with new ways of connecting uh, because simply they just don't have the other options available to them. Uh, um, I'll be uh, really curious to see what we uh, generate in the, in the middle of all this. Yeah, it, it, there's no question there will be a, a very new normal, I think, coming out of this in terms of how people work and, and what they maintain even after things go back to somewhat normalcy of, of what we've seen before. You know, um, the skills that will be required will be different. 
um, the metrics of success are going to be different. Um, and, uh, what people actually need to do in order to, um, to stay in touch and, and maintain those relationships is going to change. No question. I wonder, uh, in addition to, um, uh, the conversations that we've been engaged in around, um, shift in trade show presence and kind of uh, responding to that and in the e-commerce side of things. I think one other kind of really interesting thing came up this past week. Um, we had one client who um, they have a, their, their product development uh, um, uh, research facility is having to uh, pause operations for some time until uh, they sort through how to do that work in a more socially distanced way. Um, and that organization was looking at, uh, you know, that type of uh, talent. They didn't want to lay it off because frankly, they didn't want them to go elsewhere. Those are very difficult people to find. Um, so they were going to simply send them home with pay, uh, and, um, and, and, and wait for things to, uh, to blow over a bit. And the marketer there, I think just really cleverly and smartly said, oh, hold on a minute. Um, you can work from home and help me create expert grade content that I've been wanting to create forever. <laughs> um, but you guys were always too busy. And I was just like, I just thought that was just fantastic. I mean, I, 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 uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just nice to see something positive in the middle of all this. And, uh, you know, it was a marketer just taking advantage of, uh, the situation to say, I can get something done that I've been needing to get done. Uh, they feel good about continuing to contribute to the business. Um, it just seems like a real win-win for everybody. And of course, customers and prospects will get better information as a result of this. No question. I mean, if, uh, you know, if you're engineers or researchers or others that are kind of involved in the day-to-day -day of, uh, designing and building product are now, uh, you know, more, more available, you know, why wouldn't you finally, I, I'm sure every marketer has, as a list <laughs> in a Google Doc or a spreadsheet somewhere that uh, of all the things that they have wanted to be able to write about or create content about in some way, shape, or form, and now they may have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that may even extend that to uh, members of your sales organization, which are having to uh, potentially take a bit of a pause um, right now or reevaluate how they engage and connect. If they find themselves with extra time on their hands, um, so often marketers are also looking for that kind of expert assistance from their most senior salespeople. And it can be some of the hardest, uh, assistance to get. So, oh, a hundred percent. I mean, we all know, uh, salespeople who are, you know, uh, have, a a list of, uh, things that they're used to dealing with in, in the process of, of bringing a, a customer on board, you know, the objections that they hear regularly, all of those kinds of things. I mean, now may be the time for them to sit down, create a list of those objections and, and craft a piece of content around each one. Um, you know, it's a, an excellent, um, excellent thing to have, you know, to respond quickly when somebody asks, well, what about this? Or, or how come it doesn't do that? You know, the opportunities to, uh, to provide that content uh, will go on long into the future, as we've seen with, uh, you know, the ability to reference old blog posts and podcasts from, uh, from years gone by, um, the same issues come up, crop up frequently. Yeah, no question. No question. So I guess really, I mean, as we kind of wrap up this uh, kind of unique episode of the Cooler Ring, 
Um, if we were to recap, I mean, I, I guess what we're really just telling people here is, you know, for for if, for for the marketers out there um, uh, that are uh, find themselves in a, obviously this very uh, unique time, um, there's a few things that you can think of. Uh, you can uh, look to see how you can take advantage of those uh, specialized resources in your organization that may have some extra ability to contribute right now. Um, content creation is a great example of that. Um, uh, I guess we also would say that you can also uh, begin to consider how you can move certain aspects of the uh, business online in a uh, reasonably rapid way, whether that's uh, uh, a minimum viable e-com environment or a uh, way to serve customers digitally. Uh, there's lots of opportunity there. And um, um, last but certainly not least, I guess, is um, really grabbing a hold of that account-based approach um, and using that as a way of of um, of, of capitalizing on um, what you typically would have used uh, trade shows for, um, just kind of redirecting that effort and um, and uh, getting refocused uh, on doing that in a different way. And I think there's a lot of uh, uh, potential success uh, on the opposite end of that for folks who uh, who really uh, bent to that task. Yeah, I, I think you're you're quite right, and uh, you know there there's no uh, knowing really how long we're going to be um, in this extreme new normal um, before things start to transition back to uh, somewhat the way they were. Um, so there, there's uh, you know I think a lot of opportunity to uh, to grab hold of the uh, the extra resources and extra time that people have and really take advantage of it. Um, you know it's going to be uh, a very different world, I think, in the latter part of 2020 and beyond. Yes, indeed. And I, look, I know that um, you know, maybe it's a bit easier for us in some way. We've um, we're used to working remotely. Uh, our agency has all of the technology required to work remotely for a, a very much an indefinite period of time. Um, uh, but I do really appreciate that there's a lot of folks out there that that, that isn't the case, and they're uh, beginning to. Uh, adopt this new uh, way of working. So uh, um, uh, I guess uh, best of luck to, <laughs> for all of you uh, out there with that and uh, uh, stay safe and uh, uh, and uh, and keep your chin up. I think uh, just uh, stay future focused. That would be the best advice I could give. Thanks a lot, Carmen. Likewise, good sir. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.